Welcome fellow tiny human dots to the ninth episode of Peds in a Pod, and we're your hosts Ashley Grigsby and David Rayburn, and we're combined emergency medicine and pediatric residents at Indiana University, and this is our board review podcast for the pediatric boards. As you know, we follow the study recommendations put forth by the AAP for the board content and follow the content outline. Uh, This month, we're going to be bringing you some harder topics uh, for the boards, but important nonetheless. We're going to be covering NAT with Dr. Tara Harris. We're going to be doing the sugars for a spot dose of endocrine. A&D will not be covering ID this time. We'll be covering A and B acid-based disorders. As requested by one of our uh, Twitter followers and listeners. And then we're going to round this out with uh, Dr. Aaron Carroll to cover some research and statistics. So important topics that sometimes we don't study because they kind of are difficult. But they're always on the boards. But they're always on the board. So this is an important episode to listen to. We did uh, just get back, well, about a month ago. Got back from Toronto. Um, We went to PAS. We had a great time. Met some of our listeners there. So that was pretty awesome. And then also we met some fellow podcasters that are going to help us create a new segment. So look forward to that. That'll probably be on the 10th episode. Up and coming. Indeed. How many, uh, what's our download count I think now? we're over like 70,000. 70,000. All That's right. That's crazy. You guys, you guys are the best. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, if you're not following us on Twitter already, go ahead and hop on your Twitter account right now, at Peds in a Pod. We post extra content on there, and then there's lots of uh, extra little nuggets as well as updates on what's going on with the podcast. So follow us at Peds in a Pod. Now we're going to get into our case for the month. Challenging case in the sense that this is something that frequently comes up on the boards. It is, yeah, so it's always something that gets tested. It's always on the test, and I feel like in real life we always see it too. And the thing is, this month I've been on adolescent. Mm. I don't know. I know you've done adolescent. This is my first time. <laughs> These little buggers are hard, you know? They are. They uh, they don't like adults in general, but they also have a, like kind of their own unique problems. So I had this case last week in clinic. 14-year-old female came in by herself without a parent. And she Why came, would she bring her parent? You know, she did not. She came in because she was concerned she had an STI. Sexually transmitted infection. She was having some vaginal discharge, and she wanted checked. Mm. So the question came up, can I do this? Can I just treat her? Can I do a pelvic exam? Can I do all the things that I'd like to do for someone with these symptoms in a 14-year-old without parental consent? I mean, I feel like the first inclination would be no, but I have a feeling that you're actually allowed to do this. And I think there's other circumstances where you don't need consent to treat minors as well, correct? That's correct. And it is on like every single board test because it comes up a lot in pediatrics because they're underage. Exactly. By definition. Literally. Here's the thing. If she was coming in for a well child check, I would have needed parental consent, which, you know, is an interesting thing. But... Here are the four reasons you do not need parental consent. One, life-threatening emergencies. So they're in the ER. They come in, they're dying, do whatever you want. Like, save their lives. The second one is medical care in pregnancy. So, like, if they're already pregnant, they they can consent for things for the pregnancy. So they can't consent for their well-child check. 
But they can consent for their OB checks. Makes sense. Yeah, it's really convoluted. They can cons- uh, they do not need parental consent for treatment of STIs or HIV testing. And they do not need treatment for subs they don't need consent for treatment of substance abuse. Okay. Those are pretty universal. There are tons of nuances to this. Um, every state has different laws and every state has like very like little tiny differences in their laws about what is consentable and what is not. The good news is that the boards can't test you because they're all different in every state. So if you just kind of remember those four things, life-threatening emergency, medical care and pregnancy, treatment of STIs, and treatment of substance, substance abuse, you'll be okay. All right. The also, the other one that they always love to ask is emancipated minors. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I always have to re- like think about what you have to do to be an emancipated minor. And they, I have seen this so many times in like our like practice questions. They always emancipated minors don't need any type of parental consent for any type of medical medical thing. So for all intents matter. and purposes, yeah. they're an adult. They're an adult. So the technical definition of an emancipated minor is a person who's under legal age but is no longer under their parents' control. And they basically are responsible for, responsible for their own financial affairs. Some examples, and this does vary by state, so it's a little tricky. But in general, um, married, if they are married, they're an emancipated minor. If they attend college away from home, you would think they'd be overage, so it's a little tricky. And that's, again, somewhat dependent on the state. And if they're in the military, so if they got consent to enter the military early, they're then an emancipated minor. Some states, if you have a child, if you're pregnant and have a child, that counts you as an emancipated minor. But that is not true across the states. Like, it's not true here in our state. Like, it, there's some nuances. Like, they're, they can consent for their kid, but not for themselves. It's, it's, it's stupid. <laughs> but anyways, the point is they're in charge of their own financial affairs and they basically have gone through the emancipation procedures with the court and they don't need parental consent for anything all right well this is definitely something that we're going to cover in a separate section because it is pretty complicated but um it is something you got to remember you will be tested on it so let's go ahead and get started with the ninth episode as always, the thoughts and ideas expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of Indiana University School of Medicine or IU Health or any of its affiliates. This podcast is not intended to be used in the place of clinical judgment or as a diagnostic tool. We also know that there's new literature published daily, but unfortunately the board exam content can lag behind some of this information. This podcast is focused on giving you the information relevant for the boards. We cannot cover everything and this podcast is not all-inclusive, but we do hope you learn something that will help you on the boards. All right, now let's dive into this month's episode.